Welcome to A Little Marketing with Nikki and Mark and Phil, a podcast where marketers discuss marketing and the small moves that make a big difference. A Little Marketing is a collaboration between Blue Whale Communications in Kelowna and 1020 Marketing in Montreal. Have a question or topic suggestion? Email Nikki at Nikki at BlueWhaleCommunications.ca. Look for A Little Marketing on YouTube and coming soon to your favorite podcasting platforms. Subscribe, like, and share. Hi, Mark. Hey, Nick. <laughs> hey, Nikki. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Very good. Okay. Uh, for people watching, it might be obvious because we're wearing the same clothes and we look exactly the same, that we're recording this intro at the same time that we recorded our entire two-part episode with Michelle uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, maybe we'll keep the uh, pleasantries to a minimum so we can just hop into part two. Absolutely. If you missed last week, first stop, go back, watch last week's episode because that's part one. And I think we'll just dive right into part two, the continuation, an actual full continuation of of our uh, discussion with Michelle regarding her product development and uh, launch of her, uh, I guess, uh, animal testing free, cruelty free deodorant line. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, here we go. Is your product a unisex product? Is it so that so we created three scents, and I would say the flagship or the scent that I love is a coconut jasmine. It's definitely more female leaning, uh, although I've met some some wonderful men who love it. Uh, the sandalwood vanilla lime scent was the one that we created to be kind of that unisex offering. It's a bit more like um, woodsy, earthy kind of smell, but then the vanilla makes it nice and creamy and yummy. However, our pineapple bergamot, we have a bunch of our friends. My husband's an athlete, um, and so we we naturally have a lot of athlete-type friends. All the guys love the pineapple bergamot. It's just fresh citrus, so it really can be unisex. Um, when I was doing my research, uh, one of the things that I did do to learn about how I wanted to kind of position Sonder is I reached out to everyone that I know, even if I hadn't talked to them in years and just said, do you have five minutes? I created kind of a questionnaire asking things like, like what are, what are your values? Like, what are you looking for? And I think this can be used in any industry, but what are you looking for in a deodorant? Um, and very, there were some very specific questions like scent, um, stick or spray or whatever, like all these different questions. And a lot of the important things were, you know, I don't want to see it on my clothing or, um, I don't want to feel sticky. So things like that were super helpful, but we had a good laugh. So one was, you know, what kind of scent are you looking for? And that was an open question, not a yes or no, like put in what you like. And women would say, you know, clean linen hanging on a clothesline or hibiscus and wild berry or whatever, like all these very specific things. And, and I probably talked about 200 people, not one single male said you know cedar with fresh rain they said you know man smell that what they wanted sounds so, about right and we and i laughed and I, I thought that you know and i and i can smell that smell thinking about it so we will be doing a kind of more masculine leaning um scent down the road and i think you know on the back we'll put the description of what it is but we're going to call it man smell because that was just such a funny, every man that we spoke to almost said exactly those words. So we're going to call it man smell. <laughs> how did and, you guys, um, sorry, how, how did you guys decide on your price point? 
Yeah. So basically in formulating the deodorant and getting, you know, what ingredients we needed, et cetera, we had a pretty good idea of the cost per piece. And again, don't come from a product background. So I started just Googling and researching, you know, what markups you look for in certain industries and how that should be and how getting a general idea of the cost of packaging, the cost of shipping, the cost of everything to make sure that I was still able to make some kind of a margin and just kind of work backwards from there. I didn't, I really wanted to be high end, but accessible. So I didn't, you know, there's some great deodorants out there that are $35 that hits a wonderful niche of people. I didn't want that. Okay. That was my next question. I don't know the deodorant market. So I was going to say like $19 feels expensive to me. And a lot of the, a lot of the, I I don't know if you consider it your competition because it's, it's, you know, stuff you're not really competing against, but if I go into a drugstore and and pick, I mean, some of these, some of these cans or sprays or whatever are like 10 bucks, maybe 12 bucks, but they're saying they last 72 hours, 48 hours, this and that, like, how does yours compete against like from a value perspective, the size of it and how long once you have it on your arm in your armpit, does it actually last? And, and, you know, I know it varies per person, obviously, but like, what are some thoughts on those questions? Absolutely. And that is such a common question, especially when you get in, you know, like my mother and I have had, and my father-in-law, for instance, we've had very open, honest, candid conversations and both, you know, that generation, they both said, we would never even consider paying $19 for a deodorant. Are you kidding? And they know the product now very well, obviously. And, you know, they get a family discount, of course, but uh, that's a very common thought, especially when you get into older generations who have been using, you know, the big brands that work all day long there is a huge and ever-growing uh, population that really cares about what they're putting on their bodies. And they understand like that's a different price point you're getting at here. So now that we are in action, my primary thing was always cruelty-free, um, not animal tested. But the way that we share our product now is really about the cl- like cleanliness of the product, the cleanliness and the effectiveness, because that's where the bulk of our our market's going to be interested in. So we're a lot higher than some. We're much lower than others. So I've seen deodorants that are $50, which is a lot of money. For a $19 price point, I think for those people who are really focusing on what they're putting on their bodies and what's going into their bodies as a result of that, it's a very... um, Reasonable price point. Very reasonable price point. And the effectiveness compared to a lot of other deodorants that are in that same world. So clean or natural or naturally derived, uh, we are very reasonably priced compared to our our actual competition. Like you said, you know, the ones that are uh, the, the five, seven dollars that have been around for eons, they're not really, they are competition and they're not um, because they aren't offering the same benefits. So in <laughs> ours last, I would say at least 24 hours until you shower again. And again, like you said, there's, there's a different, there's different people and different, um, routines that people have and I think that's it's really important that there's an education component to our marketing because you know we've had hundreds and hundreds of oh my gosh I cannot believe how well this works and how much it lasts and I and I'm a sweaty person or I, I love to work out or whatever these questions might be or I've tried all these other ones and I always end up thinking and for those hundreds of people we've had about three um comments or questions emails saying you know I find that I'm smelling partway through the day. And my first question to those three people was, tell me about your day. Like, what are you doing in that day? Um, 
excuse me, um, it really is an education piece. So our sweat doesn't stink. Our sweat starts to smell when it comes into contact with bacteria that is on our skin. If you halfway through the day, a lot of people have this just preconceived notion that if it's a clean or a natural deodorant, I must reapply. So whether they've worked out, you know, on their lunch break or just in the middle of the day, they reapply. That is the worst thing you can do because mm-hmm. you're just now trapping the deodorant in and creating a breeding ground for more bacteria and odor. And so that's, you kind of explain things like that to people, but they have this, everyone has this notion or vision that, oh, I must have to reapply. More is better. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and I always say that too, one, two, that's it. Two swipes. So that's really important as an education piece and explaining to people that, yeah, it's $19, but you're not buying this every week. So now you're buying a higher quality product for yourself, for your family, uh, a, a, an audience that I never even thought of when formulating, when researching, that is now a huge one is parents of like preteen kids saying, is this going to be okay for my child? Because they're starting to get that kind of hormonal stinky sweat. And people are so much more educated now where my mom bought me, you know, I'm not going to say names, but that, that brand on the shelf that mm-hmm. my body, but now we're so much more educated with the products that we're putting on ourselves that they don't want their child to have a product with aluminum or all these other harsh chemicals. So that's one of our biggest, actually, one of our biggest markets is that, that makes perfect sense to me yeah. because I have, I have two kids. I have 19 year old and 17 year old. And yeah. my son who's 19 is actually very interested in what goes into his body. And, um, he's asked about deodorants before in terms of aluminum or not, and this and that and yeah. ingredients. And, um, it makes perfect sense to me that an educated parent would yeah. want to start their kid off, you the know, right on the right foot without getting these chemicals in their body. It's the same sort of like, you know, my generation, I'm a lot, probably a lot older than you guys. The, um, we, we didn't go out in the sun with suntan lotion on, right? Yeah. But no, did I. we had our kids, we <laughs> slathered them in suntan lotion because we know the difference and the importance of it now. Absolutely. So it's not, it's not surprising to me that, uh, a mom of a 12 year old kid or an 11 year old kid, whatever would want to start them off on the right foot like that. Absolutely. And that, and that's, so they see the value in that. And because it's not something that they're buying weekly. So for most people, you know, a stick of Sondra, if they're using it properly and not like slathering it on for 10 minutes per armpit or putting it on four times a day, which you really don't need to, it can last up to three months. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of spin classes. So I, I shower sometimes more than once in a day. So for me, it lasts like up to two months, one and a half, two months. So when you really break it down, if you're already looking into this, yeah, that's nothing. Exactly. If you're already a person who's interested in this niche of healthy, clean body care, beauty products, it's nothing. I was going to say, I was going to say that too, for the price point and your audience, like they're not only buying clean cruelty-free deodorant, they're probably also looking at household cleaning supplies and mascara, cruelty-free mascara costs twice as much as not cruelty-free mascara. Like everything is more right. So there's a little bit less sticker shock. Um, cause you're just used to our position in that specific audience we're we're sitting very pretty for sure mm-hmm. there so, was, there's a big brand that brand that i told you about that was that i got that's the reason i started they've been kind of as much as i don't like the way that they sold out and are hiding kind of their practices they've been a great um 
there's a word that I'm blanking on, but like a beacon to look at. I love their business plan. I love their business model and how they do things. So they've been a great way to kind of tailor what we're doing to not copy, but emulate in a sense how they've done it and, and what kind of audience they're reaching out to. Our, our motto or tagline is make clean mainstream. So clean to us is not just ingredients, but it's also animal testing and things like that. So that when, you know, if at any point in the near future, we start expanding our product offerings, we want people to know that Sonder, when you see that little logo of the sunset or the light bulb, whatever you want to attribute that to, and you see our name, you know that no matter what, everything that we share is completely transparent and full of integrity. We actually, I was having wine with my mom before we launched and we were looking for some investors. And we had them when we were just kind of finalizing the shareholder agreement and we were talking about this company and they sold for a very large amount of money. And she said, Michelle, you cannot tell me that if somebody came to you and offered you a hundred, $200 million to sell your brand, that you wouldn't do it. Tell me what I can't do and what I won't do. The next morning, 9am, I was on the phone with my lawyer saying, I need you to add a clause to our shareholder agreement. And she said, sure. What's that? I said, I need you to say that we will never legally be allowed to sell Sonder to a company to, that does not adhere to the same ethical standards as we do. And I, we, I, very, I laid it out very specifically what these standards were. And so we stand, like we are not, this is not a marketing ploy. And that's what, that's what ticked me off in the beginning and made me start this. We are not a marketing ploy. What we tell you at, you know, at first it was about animal testing, but what we tell you about the ingredients that are in there, we're not greenwashing you, whatever we tell you about our practices, we are 100% honest about it because we legally can't not be. <laughs> so we want it to be, you know, that brand that you see that you know that we're always striving to be better and better, A, and B, that you know that what you're grabbing, you don't have to spend 45 minutes researching it, that you're getting what we tell you you're getting. So are you are you working with retailers that have the same values as you? Or are you putting these in regular mainstream uh, drugstores? A bit of both. Like we're not in we're not in a lot of big mainstream drugstores yet. Uh, we are definitely looking for retailers that match our values. But part of what we want to do extends beyond Sonder. It extends far beyond making money. We want to make big changes in the personal care, home care, body care industries. And to do that, I think we need to take up a big market share in these um, <clears throat> mainstream retailers. So we're hoping we can get into those soon because if they can see that brands like us, and there are so many others, there's some great brands out there that we have a, a place on those shelves. They can start holding standards and holding other retailers to be accountable for what they're they're doing. And that's a big part of what I want to do. You know, when I can have a staff and I'm not doing every little aspect of our company, I would like to start, you know, in a sense, not lobbying because I won't have time to do that necessarily. And I'm not a lobbyist, but really to going to the government of Canada and, and saying like, we need to actually make people adhere to what they say that they're doing and to have it not be a marketing ploy. So if we can make a dent in these mainstream retailers, heck yeah, that means that we're making a change and people are reaching for us instead of those ones that are, you know, whatever, impacting the environment, impacting animals, impacting people's health. Mm -hmm. So absolutely we'll reach out to mainstream as well. I I, uh, I want to take us, this conversation in a completely different direction for a minute. I think it's a good way to, to end this particular uh, topic is um, when uh, when we talked earlier, before we started recording, I, uh, I eavesdropped on you and Nikki talking about your web analytics. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you're an e-commerce brand. Well, partly anyhow. 
And I just wanted to get into that area a little bit. What are you looking for? You know, you said you're in it every day. It's in, of, of uh, you know, huge interest to you. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like, absolutely. From a marketing standpoint, from a business owner standpoint, like what are the key indicators that you're looking for on the back end to help you make decisions on the front end? Absolutely. Uh, there are quite a few. So I think at the end of the day, the big one, but there's a lot that lead up to that is our conversion rate. So they say that a good conversion rate is about two to 3%. Yeah. We have been sitting at 9% for quite some time. So that, and if we have a day where we have a lot of sessions on our website, but we haven't had the sales that add up to that, that tells me there's something somewhere that is disconnecting our client from wanting to finish that sale. So we look at things like abandoned cart, big time, a lot of that, um, which makes us look at things like shipping. And, you know, there's only so much we can do about obviously cost of shipping at this point in time, but finding a way to add more value. If we see a lot of abandoned carts from a certain area, it's like, okay, they, they're interested in our product. They want it, but maybe the shipping in this particular demographic is just not feasible. So that's where I think, okay, well, I'll write that area down. Why don't we find a retailer there to reach them in a different way? Um, mm -hmm. And for me, I'm not techie. It uh, overwhelms me, <laughs> but I'm learning about it. So sometimes it could be, okay, is one of our pages acting really slowly and people just don't have the patience and they want to get the heck out of there. So that's a big one. Um, add to cart, abandoned checkouts, like I said, are, are big ones as well. So those are the primary and then just seeing, we look every day. So it'll tell us how many people have been to our site in a day. And you can look at, did they come directly? Did they come through Google? Did they come through Instagram? And kind of seeing their behavior as how they're coming. And then you can look at um, regions, like where are they coming to us from? It tells you the city. And there's some cities in Canada that I had never heard of. Um, and that's, I love, that's my favorite place to look at is where they're coming from, because it tells me right away if that was organic or not. If I have a bunch in a day coming from India, for instance, well, we don't market there. So that tells me that we can just ignore all of those. Um, I made the mistake, which I'm sure a lot of people who are new in e-commerce have done. You know, I got an email that said, we can boost some real, um, website visits. And that was really frustrating. So for a month we had like hundreds of views a day and, you put your, you put your details. Like, I don't want to sell outside of North America. You put all this stuff in and you're getting hundreds of views and they're hitting, and you can see which pages they go to, which I love that too. How far are you getting into my website? You don't yeah. have a lot of products. So, you know, you're not going to go too far in there, but um, if you're only hitting my, my homepage and that's it, it's telling me pretty quickly that you're not a legitimate lead necessarily. So that one dropped our conversion rate because it wasn't real. And I was so angry. So for a month we had to just ride it out and wait for these bots to go away. Um, and you know, you live, you learn, but yeah, conversion rate is huge and just seeing where they're coming to us from and how we can better that. And then obviously email marketing is so, so big and super helpful as well. So the, and that has its own set of analytics, of course, like unsus um, unsubscribe and all that fun stuff too. Amazing. Nikki, I think we're going to have to cut it off here. And I, and there's so many questions that we didn't get to ask, or, you know, the conversation didn't uh, flow that way. Like, I'm so curious about you know, how you came up with the name, uh, your colors, your branding, your oh. like those sorts of things that, you know, we didn't talk about. We didn't, we didn't talk about, you know, I, how you identified your audience and how you're tailoring your content to find those people. We talked a little bit about influencers, but we didn't talk about like, 
like how you're doing it like yeah you know so maybe just maybe we could do it again another time yeah because i'm so curious about all of those more marketing aspects of the product development and sales uh you know growth part of it absolutely i was going to say i know i like i said i speak a lot <laughs> um but if ever yeah if down the road you want to chat again and focus it more on that stuff i'd love to awesome so <laughs> we reserve the right to uh, have a call back 100 i'd be happy to you guys amazing, amazing. thank you awesome. thanks so much michelle this was fantastic yeah a lot of fun thanks for having me yeah no right. problem good luck we'll talk soon okay bye you guys have a great day thanks you bye bye well, definitely a lot to take in and learn there for sure. So much. And it's a world that I don't, well, I mean, the product development part, I absolutely don't know. And as far as clients go, the majority of our clients are service providers, um, have the occasional product-based business, but we don't get to dive into like the real behind the scenes as much. So it's like, I knew I was going to have a lot of questions going into this one. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. hundred yeah. percent. But we kind of zigzagged a lot, like we didn't have a a clean thread through that uh, discussion, which is fine. I, I love I love that. But yeah. there are so many other questions that uh, I have in my head for her because it, it's just it's not just it's it's not just all of those things that we brought up at the very end. It's the it's not a mainstream process that she's gone through, right? Mm -hmm. but, yeah. But it is fascinating. Mm -hmm. It is completely cool all right